you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Everybody, it is Friday, March 17th, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're open to signing an offer sheet. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio. We are at home. We are doing this from our respective spaces today instead of in the studio. And I guess first things first, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day and happy first weekend of the NC2A tournament. Uh, it's, it's a lot going on right now, man. Happy St. Patrick's Day. One of my uh, favorite, low-key, one of my favorite days of the year. And yeah, it always it always happens where like you get a full day of tournaments, usually uh, on St. Patrick's Day. It's just such a fun day. And then you add in the free agency and everything. It's It's been a really fun week in the middle of March. You know, I, I can't complain. No, we got a lot going on. It's been busy. I will admit a uh, full disclosure that as we record this on Friday morning, uh, my USC Trojans are playing <laughs> against Michigan State in the first round of the tournament. So I do have a screen that's on that. I will do my absolute best not to let the goings on there in Columbus, Ohio, affect my mood as we go through this show. Um, and it's going to be a big, busy, loaded show that we have. This is probably going to be an extra large version compared to what we normally do this time of year because 
because since the last time we talked, not so as you'd notice, a lot of news has come down across the NFL. There have been trades. There have been free agency signings. There have been quarterbacks declaring where they might or might not want to play. So we're going to go over as many of them as at least have any kind of real fantasy implication. So uh, strap in uh, if you've got a long commute or maybe uh, break this up into a few pieces. Uh, that might be sort of the best way to go about it. I split this up into positions. So let's start where we should always start, with the quarterbacks. It is the most important position on the field, so it seems like a good place to go. And let's start with what has been the biggest news. It appears, at least for the moment, that our long national nightmare is over, or at least uh, nearing a conclusion. Aaron Rodgers, after filibustering for about 20 minutes on Pat McAfee's show, says that he intends to play for the New York Jets. Actually, he said he intends to play for the Jets, uh, at which point the NHL's Winnipeg Jets put out a really fun tweet of Aaron Rodgers photoshopped uh, in a Winnipeg Jets sweater. But he says he intends to play for the Jets. Now, Mike, the next big thing is for the Jets and the Packers to come to some sort of agreement on trade compensation. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of arguing on Twitter about who has leverage in this situation. For our purposes, that doesn't really matter. For your purposes, you've been on NFL Network quite a bit over the last few days, and it seems <laughs> as every time I turn it on and see your face, you are talking about Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to ask you all the same things that all the hosts, whether it was Rhett Lewis or Mike Yam or Colleen Wolf or whomever it may have been, will ask you, let's start with Aaron Rodgers in New York if this does actually come to pass fantasy-wise what are we looking at with Rodgers wearing Jets green and white? Is it much different than when he was wearing the green and gold in Green Bay? I don't think so. I, I think his fantasy value kind of stays very similar. I, I keep saying I think uh, there's a top eight quarterbacks. He comes in the group after that and probably not even right away. Like I'd have him behind like a let's say like a Deshaun Watson or uh, Danny Dimes. Maybe he's going to be in that range. Though. Geno Smith with guys like that. Um I will say I think there's a little bit more upside than maybe he gets credit for because I'm very undecided if last season was just the start of a decline for Aaron Rodgers at almost 40 years old or if it really was him playing his first year without Devontae Adams and with that broken thumb. So the upside is higher than where you're going to be drafting him. It's still not, you know, QB1 or anything like that because he doesn't give you a whole lot with his legs, but uh draft wise I keep saying I think he'll go somewhere between like quarterbacks 10 and 15 he's not someone I would be super excited about to have as my starter but if you wait and you you pair him say with another young upside quarterback I think that could be a way to adjust the position he sort of is becoming I, I always have the the patron saint of the church of wait on a quarterback and it, he has sort of I think started to transition into that where he's a guy that you can wait on. If you, if you decide you want to hang around and wait on a quarterback. So say the ninth round or something like that. Uh, Rogers is probably a guy that you are targeting. As you mentioned, the age, he will be 40 in the latter part of the season. Early December is when he hits his 40th birthday. But when he was healthy, we saw that he can still make all the throws. As you mentioned, he doesn't give you the same rushing ability that he did early in his career, but the ability is there still, no doubt about it. Now he goes to a place in New York where there's a decent group of pass catchers. We'll get to one of his guys that looks like he's coming over potentially from Green Bay. We'll do that a little bit later in the show. 
But we know Garrett Wilson is there for sure. And Wilson has been very vocal on social media, uh, expressing his excitement over the idea of playing with Aaron Rodgers. For all the great things Garrett Wilson did last year, and as much as we loved him, the one thing we kept saying was he really needs a consistent higher-level quarterback, not even an elite quarterback, but a better quarterback than what he had last year to truly unlock his potential. It appears that that guy is on his way to the Big Apple. So with that being said, again, all the caveats being this actually gets consummated and the two sides actually work out a trade, how high are we going to have to reach to get Garrett Wilson next year? Probably higher than people are anticipating in I, I looked for fun yesterday in early best ball drafts in the last week since it's really seemed like Aaron Rodgers is going to be a member of the New York Jets. On, on one very popular best ball site, um, his ADP is wide receiver nine. He's going as the 15th overall pick. I think the overall pick will drop a bit because as we get more clarity with some of the running backs, like I, I think he was going ahead of Tony Pollard. I don't anticipate that continuing to happen but I was like wide receiver nine that is way too high and then I looked at it and I was like yeah Garrett Wilson or T Higgins I'm cool with Garrett Wilson ahead of him him or Monra St. Brown it, it's close but I, I'm okay with Wilson if, if like you won't get much pushback from me uh so yeah I I think he's gonna be a really early pick you're probably gonna have to draft him to be a wide receiver one unless you take two wide receivers and you get him in the second round something like that uh but the upside is sky high. Like, I I don't think he could be, I don't want to say he can be what Devontae Adams was with Aaron Rodgers, but I think he could be pretty close to that same type of player because Garrett Wilson is a very, very talented wide receiver. Right. I, I'm not going to put him in the Devontae Adams bucket yet just because that's that's a pretty high bar to get to, but there is the potential for him to be a wide receiver one. And yeah, I did go look on that certain canine-themed website that you are referring to uh, for the ADPs, <laughs> and there's already a lot of excitement. I mean, the buzz was already there. I mean, we sort of anticipated for a week or two that it was going to be Aaron Rodgers heading to New York, and now that it appears in motion... I think that excitement is only going to grow. And I am looking at the eight wide receivers listed ahead of him. And it's hard for me to put him above any of those guys. Uh, so I think right now he is in a very good spot. But you are certainly talking about now reaching possibly into the second round to go get this guy. Uh, so you are sort of you are drafting him, I think, at his ceiling this year. But we also believe that the ceiling is going to be pretty high for Garrett Wilson. Now, if Rodgers does leave Green Bay, that creates a whole different situation for the Packers. They have been waiting for a few years to truly see what Jordan Love can be. They haven't had the chance because they've had a Hall of Fame guy sitting in front of him all this time. Uh, first off, your expectations for Love. Is he a guy that we're going to be able to draft in fantasy, or is he just going to be kind of a waiver wire option? I mean, I'm speaking one quarterback leagues, not not super flex or two QB, but one quarterback leagues. Are we drafting Jordan Love? I wouldn't be. Uh, maybe I, I. What I keep saying is, if you want to take him as your backup, okay, I, I'm fine with that because there is always upside in the unknown. But we truly have no idea who Jordan Love is at this point in his NFL career because. Uh, he was a guy coming out of college that you would hear like, oh, he's a little bit of a project. He needs time uh, to develop. And in, in 
so far in his NFL career, he's thrown 83 passes. Like, we cannot judge Jordan Love on, on what he's done. And he has struggled a little bit in that small sample size. One really good game, one down game. But Aaron Rodgers took the shot of all shots the other day when he said Jordan Love had a really good season with the watch team. I was like, yeah, that <laughs> he, he was throwing a dig there for sure. But uh, I, I think Jordan Love is nothing more than a QB2. And to be honest, probably a low-end one. Right now, he is going as the QB 25, so yeah. uh, he's not even quite a QB 2. I mean, he's going he's going after a trio of rookies, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, all being drafted ahead of Jordan Love right now. So while Garrett Wilson has gotten the Aaron Rodgers bump, Jordan Love has not, even though he is projected to be the starter right now, people still aren't really big on him. And I, I think it really is sort of that unknown factor, the the idea that it took a while for the Packers to kind of clear the deck for him. Because I think two things. One, if he were ready to go and they felt really confident with him in the last year or two, they probably would have figured out a way to move Rodgers before then instead of being held hostage the last couple of off seasons. On the flip side, if they felt like he still wasn't ready – they probably would have bent over backwards to keep Rodgers in Green Bay. They would have done whatever it takes to make him happy so they, that they could continue to be a playoff caliber team. So maybe they have reached the point where they feel like love is good enough to take over this starting job, even if he isn't quite Rodgers level or Favre level uh, to kind of keep that train going. So he seems to have reached the level of good enough, and sometimes good enough is good enough. Um Let's talk about the pieces, though, that are left there. Aaron Jones, Christian Watson specifically. I know Aaron Jones has been very complimentary of Jordan Love, saying he feels like he's ready to step in and be that guy. But, Mike, Christian Watson, I think, flourished heavily because of who the quarterback was. And can we expect that same level of production if it's not 12 throwing the football? I think it's big arrows down for any member of the Packers right now. Um, and even Aaron Rodgers last year in, in a down year where he was kind of a shell of himself, he's still a, a he could still put the ball where it needs to be. And, and that's what he does best. Like his placement it might be the best ever uh, of any quarterback. So I, I think Christian Watson is still a very dynamic and explosive talent in his own right, which means he will still have big games. But good luck figuring out when they're going to come because I think they're going to be super big play reliant. And what I keep saying is there's upside still with Christian Watson. Like if you want to take him as a wide receiver three or something like that, by all means. But if Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback, I would be ready to take this guy as a top 20 wide receiver off the board. I don't see any way you can draft Christian Watson anywhere nearly as high with Jordan Love as you would with Aaron Rodgers. Again, there's upside in the unknown, so I'm not saying Christian Watson doesn't bring upside. I think that is primarily what you're drafting when you take him. But the floor and and the median production could be very, very shaky week to week. I feel like, though, that upside wasn't completely predicated on Aaron Rodgers, but it had a lot to do with it. And I just think there is so much unknown, as you mentioned. This offense is going to be a little bit of a black box. I do think for Aaron Jones, I don't know that his his hit in terms of value is as drastic as Watson's because I do think this is an offense that's going to have to lean on Aaron Jones a little bit. And I do think the targets may be there. Granted, it's been a, a pretty small sample size for what we have seen from Jordan Love, but... 
you know, he did throw to the backs at a fairly decent rate uh, in the times that he has played. So that part gives me at least a little bit of confidence that he can, you know, have some sort of value, that he can still be a part of the Packers passing game. And that's where a good amount of his value comes. So maybe I, I can see Jones falling off a little bit, but I don't think he completely falls off a cliff just because the Packers need to figure out where some of their production is going to come from. I feel like that's enough Aaron Rodgers talk. He has been, <laughs> you know, like between us, between the you know NFL media, between just the general Twitter sphere. Uh, I think we all have Rodgers fatigue. So let's move on. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has a new home, and it's the place that I think a lot of us anticipated he was going to go anyway. He signs with the Las Vegas Raiders, so they go from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo. I guess the first thing is football wise. Is this an upgrade, a downgrade, a lateral move? Maybe not financially, because I think financially this this sort of helps, I think, the Raiders. But uh, in terms of just on-field ability, what they get, does this make them better, worse, about the same? Uh, I think it's somewhere around the same. Maybe a slight not edge to Derek Carr. What I think, though, more so is they're going to have to change a lot of their identity as an offense. Um Particularly with their best weapon, like Devontae Adams ha- is the best field stretcher in football, in my opinion, uh, or, or maybe not. Like, he's not like the fastest guy, but he is the hardest to defend because of what they talk about all the time with him is he extends his arms at the last possible second. So the cornerback can't read his body at all to know when the ball is coming in. And it's why he had such great success with the Packers. It's why he was so good with uh, the Raiders last season most of his yards come through the air with Jimmy G with the Niners. It was all yak. Like if he didn't lead the league in yak, he was always in the top two or three uh, because part of that is personnel like George Kittle, Debo Samuel. Those guys are yak monsters, but they also have guys like Brandon Nayuk who at time is a really good field stretcher and at times was a little inconsistent because I, I just don't think Jimmy G is the best downfield thrower. So I'm really curious to see how this offense is going to kind of take their two strengths, like their quarterback and their top receiver who have different strengths and kind of piece them together to make it work. I think what Garoppolo has over Derek Carr is basically a familiarity with the offense. He and Josh McDaniels worked together in New England when Garoppolo was the backup to Tom Brady. So there's at least they know each other. There's prior knowledge there, which isn't something that Derek Carr had. He was basically starting from scratch when McDaniels came in and took over the team. So maybe that learning curve is shortened. And I think there's a guy that can sort of explain it to everybody else too. I know there was some frustration, I think amongst the, 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 both the offense and the defense with how things went last year. And so now you have a guy that knows the system that understands how to succeed within that system. And, uh, I think that's going to go a long way toward helping everybody out. Now, Devontae Adams was the guy we were drafting the last couple of years as a top two or three receiver. Right now, that number has dropped down. He's at wide receiver seven at this point. Um, how much faith do you have in him with Garoppolo at quarterback? I think there's more reasons for concern with Devontae Adams, with Jimmy G, than there was uh, certainly with Aaron Rodgers when he was the slam dunk wide receiver one and even more with Derek Carr because there's again there's no familiarity with Jimmy G and Devontae Adams whereas Carr and, and Adams played in college and I just think Carr's style of play fits Adams a little bit better uh, of the receivers going over him Jefferson Chase Cup Hill Diggs and AJ Brown 
I'm fine with all of them going ahead of Devontae Adams, except for maybe A.J. Brown. That's one that uh, I think I'd be okay flipping uh, Devontae ahead of him. I still think, though, that's going to make him a borderline first-round pick, early second-round pick, because I think the first round is going to be littered with wide receivers this year. First round is going to be very heavy wide receivers. I think you'll get a couple of running backs, you know, McCaffrey, Eckler, uh, guys like that, you know, maybe Tony Pollard, <laughs> potentially, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But other than that, it's going to be a lot of wide receivers and maybe Travis Kelsey thrown <laughs> into the first <laughs> round. So, so it could be Devontae Adams ends up as a second-round pick just because there may not be room for him in the first round with so many of those other guys uh, going over there. Um, in Tampa Bay, there is a new quarterback, at least a quarterback competition potentially brewing. Uh, the Bucks have agreed to a one-year deal with Baker Mayfield. He finished up last year as the number two, and I guess he ended up being the starter uh, for the Rams after Matthew Stafford went down with an injury. So it looks like Baker Mayfield is going to get the chance to at least compete with Kyle Trask to be the starter there in Tampa. Uh, for the moment, Mike Evans is still there. For the moment, Chris Godwin is still there, though there's certainly some talk that maybe he won't be. We'll see. Look, I'm not going to sit here and spin you a fairy tale where we're drafting either Mayfield or Kyle Trask, but what does this mean for a guy like Mike Evans who's been fairly consistent throughout his career? It's bad. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm more worried about Mike Evans coming into this year than ever, and for years, people hated me on Twitter because I was always the low guy on Mike Evans. Um the re we've seen I'm worried about Chris Godwin as well, but even more Mike Evans. We've seen Baker Mayfield really struggle to elevate wide receivers in his career. We've seen Baker Mayfield particularly struggle uh, to elevate out wide receivers who win downfield, which is exactly what Mike Evans is. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to I don't think this offense will be able to put up even as many points as they did last season because uh, I think Baker's a big downgrade from even what Brady was last season. So that could lead to less touchdown opportunities. Right now in early ADP, Godwin's going in the middle of the fourth, I believe, and Evans in like the sixth. And even that, I'm not super bullish. It's like you get a discount on them from where they were in the past, but not a whole lot of ones. So I don't know. I This reminds me a lot of how we what we were saying about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett a year ago, except for I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to pull a Geno Smith and lead the league in like multi-touchdown pass games. Yeah, I think the difference <laughs> is we've sort of seen Baker this whole time. Geno yeah. left our consciousness for a few years and then came back by circumstance to have that year he did in Seattle this past year. I worry about the Bucks' offense as a whole. Uh, I worry about Mike Evans. I worry about what Chris Godwin potentially can be. I know people are trying to get excited about Rashad White. I just think this is going to be a bad offense in a division that's not going to be very good. The NFC South will be competitive. It may not be good, but it'll be competitive. There are two different things there. There's just not a lot about this group that I'm excited about, and I do think you know, I'm curious to see where the ADPs go for Tampa's wide receivers. You, you mentioned, uh, what, Godwin in the fourth, Evans in the sixth. Does it stay there? Does it even potentially fall, depending on how this quarterback competition goes? I, I'm not optimistic about it at all. For the right price, I'll take the shot, but I'm not getting fired up about it. Other side note, Mike Evans has had 1,000 yards every year of his career 
does he get there again in 2023? I would take the under for, and there's a like as impressive as that streak is, it's also kind of manufactured because there was a couple of years with Tom Brady where like week 17, they were like, we need to get Mike Evans a thousand <laughs> yards. And they, oh, so, but oh, no, I don't think Baker Mayfield, I, I, it's more in jeopardy now than ever before, I think. And if I would take under a thousand yards for Mike Evans, the 2020 was the, the squeakiest year. He had a thousand and six, like he just <laughs> barely got over the hump, had 1100 yards last year. Um, but I, you know, I would call into question whether or not uh, he could do it again. And it's been phenomenal to watch. Uh, I am skeptical whether or not he can do it in 2023. Last bit of quarterback news, and I, I put this trio together. Uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, is going to the Washington Commanders. Andy Dalton staying in the NFC South and going to the Carolina Panthers. Gardner Minshew is headed to Indianapolis and signs with the Colts. Uh, they've got quarterback opening after letting go of Matt Ryan. So of those three guys, Jacoby Brissett in Washington, uh, Dalton in Carolina, Minshew in Indianapolis, which one do you think has the best chance to win their respective starting job? Jacoby Brissett. Look, Jacoby Brissett played pretty well last year. He played way better than Deshaun Watson did as yeah. the Browns starting quarterback. And he was above average in a lot of regards as the Browns starter. That, them not succeeding last season was not on Jacoby Brissett. Like, that's on the rest of the roster as a whole, I would say. Jacoby greatly exceeded expectations, I think. Uh, I also think whichever of the two start for the Commanders will be a value in fantasy. Not like you're going to want to start Howell or Jacoby Brissett, but, like, they could be good QB2s and Superflex or good waiver wire guys because both could give you sneaky points with their... More Howell, I think, it gets overlooked as what he could do with his legs we've kind of seen Jacoby Brissett do it but both of them can give you points with their legs yeah I mean I think that's that's the thought there just because the Panthers are going to take a quarterback at number one we're just waiting to see which one is going to be um you know in Indianapolis I can't imagine they are for real going to roll with uh with Gardner Minshew I think he is there potentially as uh you know a security blanket um, based on what they can do, whether or not they trade up and get a quarterback, whether or not they, you know, I don't know if there's anybody else worth signing at this point in free agency. Uh, I think Brissett is probably going to be the guy. Now, I would say which guy, which guy do we want most for fantasy, though? Not necessarily because we're drafting them, but because this guy's going to help out his supporting cast. Is it still Jacoby Brissett? Or could it be a guy like Andy Dalton who wasn't terrible last year? No, he he wasn't, but I still think it's Jacoby Brissett for one reason and one reason only, Terry McLaurin. Uh, we saw that this past season, Jacoby Brissett was able to kind of help Amari Cooper have a resurgence year uh, after his down year, his final year in Dallas. And it was because he was able to win downfield. They were able to connect on deep passes and in the red zone. We know Terry McLaurin can win downfield. He just needs a quarterback that could get the ball in his general vicinity, which is why we all got so excited for Taylor Heineke when he started last year, because he was selling shirts that said, bleep it, Terry's open somewhere down there. J Jacoby, that's all you got to do, man. And then you add in the fact that they also have like Jahan Dotson who could win downfield. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, I think, could, could help those guys more uh, than, than he probably gets credit for. I think you're right. I, I think he's probably the best of that bunch. I still would have liked to see... Um, Washington maybe pursue Lamar Jackson. That's a whole other conversation that we, you know, I don't know that we can get into because there's just no 
There's no actual news to talk about other than he's been tagged. Teams can negotiate with him. But until we get an idea of where he might go, it's just sort of hard to talk about Jackson. But I would have loved to see Washington pursue him. We we talked about Atlanta, and they completely backed out from the the beginning. All that was frustrating and confusing to me. I didn't get it. But it could be that Jacoby Brissett is probably the answer to all of our questions, at least when it comes to that trio of quarterbacks. Let's get to running backs, because there's a lot. It's funny, because the running backs didn't happen immediately. But then it all seemed to happen kind of at once with a lot of guys going to different places. So let's start with some of the big news there. Austin Eckler requests permission from the Chargers to seek a trade. This is a guy who has been a top-level fantasy running back for the last couple of years. In fact, uh, 38 touchdowns over the last two seasons. That is first among all players in, in fantasy football in that stretch. It's been great for him in Los Angeles. Can you envision a spot that would be better for his fantasy value than where he currently is? None that feel realistic. Like, I'm looking through the list of teams right now, and I'm like, Cincinnati, like, that would be a boost. But they're not realistically going to go after Austin Eckler, in my opinion. Uh, So I I personally am hoping that the Chargers and Eckler can reach an agreement here. One, I, I think he's awesome as a person for fantasy, everything. I love having him play in L.A., but I just think it it brings certainty with his role in this offense. One, it keeps together an offense that is very high-powered for fantasy purposes, at least, uh, and I think could be just one of the best offenses in football. So just because if he goes elsewhere, then we're dealing with unknown, a new offense. I I think Austin Eckler will be fine no matter where he goes because any team that, you know, pays to get him is going to make sure he gets the ball plenty, especially as a receiver. But just for for peace of mind, for fantasy, I would love for him to stay with the Chargers. I think staying is the best. I I don't know that there's anywhere that makes him better. I think you can go places that potentially kind of leave him similar to where he is. I mean, I think if if somehow the Chiefs could figure out how to make it work, right? Putting him in Kansas City, Isaiah Pacheco becomes easily the number two in that offense. Um but I don't know that he gets better, right? 38 touchdowns in the last two seasons. That's really hard to improve upon. So I I do think that staying in LA is the best situation. Now we're talking fantasy. I know for Austin Eckler, this is, this is a real life conversation, right? This is about, you know, trying to figure out where you can make the most money, where you can sort of maximize your overall value, because you know, look, you and I both know that he's a guy who, already has his eye on the future he's already trying to figure out you know what his moves after football are going to be whether it is as you know a podcaster whether it's in business what have you uh you know and he's got to set himself up for that but for our greedy selfish fantasy purposes please austin stay in los angeles make it work here with the bolts because we love it and we love you (laughs) and we love ourselves so we're being we're being selfish here um the cowboys have marked the end of an era. They are going to let go of Ezekiel Elliott. He's been marked with a post-June 1st designation, so it won't officially happen for a couple of months still. But the Cowboys have decided. They tagged Tony Pollard. They are moving on from Ezekiel Elliott. So we talked about the first round and how it's likely to be pretty wide receiver heavy but there are some running backs that sneak into that first round. Is Tony Pollard one of them? And how high do you think you have to reach to get him? Uh, I certainly think that he he could be one of them. Um, 
I, I think the locks are Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. And then after that, I think it kind of becomes a preference thing. But there's a group of running backs that Tony Pollard's in, for me at least, with Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley. Uh, you could put Kenneth Walker in there if you want. And, and B. John Robinson would depend on uh, on landing spot and Josh Jacobs. To me, Tony Pollard goes in that group as the, the next running backs off the board. I, I keep saying you could... Make the case to take him as high as RB3 overall, I think. But like, if you trust Saquon or, or Taylor or Josh Jacobs more, you're not going to really hear much from me. I, I think that that's the second tier of running backs, and he easily uh, could go in the first round. I think at the very worst case, uh, you get him early second round, no later than that. So right now, Pollard is going off the board as the RB12, but I feel like maybe the Zeke move hasn't fully kicked in yet. I'm not sure because I know how much... Everybody loved Pollard, understandably, last year. I'm surprised that it hasn't gone up at this point. Side note, Bijan Robinson is RB4 right now. I mean, it is, it is McCaffrey, it's Jonathan Taylor, it's Eckler, and then it's Bijan Robinson. That is how much the fantasy community loves Bijan. It doesn't matter where he goes. People are drafting him as a top five running back right now. That is incredible i think some of that has to do by the way with the fact that he's being called a top 10 talent he's not going to get drafted top 10 because that's just doesn't make draft sense for nfl teams but but the scouts say he is that good and fantasy drafters are taking that to heart and drafting him accordingly um worst case scenario is is the cowboys draft him that is that is that is the nuclear option for us <laughs> right if if Jerry Jones which by the way that is the ultimate Jerry Jones move right wanting yep. another top level running back and getting the guy who plays his college ball in the state of Texas that is the ultimate Jerry Jones maneuver and that would nuke everything we hoped and dreamed for both <laughs> Bijan Robinson and Tony Pollard uh, I do think he gets his way into the top 10 probably even top eight at some point uh, Ooh, before I hope before so. we get to the season I do. Um, as for Zeke, uh, he's going to be a free agent. You know, obviously had a good career in Dallas, was not the same player the last few years. What is his future? Because I don't think he's done. I think somebody signs him. But, I mean, what, what's the best case scenario for Zeke at this point? I think best case scenario is I don't think he's going to go anywhere that gave him as much touches as Dallas did even last year when he was playing a reduced role, splitting it with Tony Pollard. I think he's going to come in be part of a platoon share backfield with uh, uh, obviously another back that's more explosive because that is not Zeke's strength at this point. I think he'll be a short yardage back, a goal line back. Uh, I know like one, he's been one of the backs tied still to like the Buffalo Bills maybe. I could see him going to a situation like that to a team that they have uh, maybe a young back that they like or something like that and an explosive guy and then they just need uh, someone to play like that hammer role, kind of like what I, what I at least think uh, Deontay Foreman was brought into the Bears to be, I, I think that could be the role that Zeke Elliott still plays. Right. I mean, I think he's a two-down back. He is potentially a short yardage guy. Um, you know, he can't catch the football, so hopefully that, that helps and, and he's able to get those opportunities. I also think that it's going to be a situation where he's probably going to wait for a while. At this point, you know, a lot of the, the dominoes have fallen in terms of free agent running backs. I think we're going to wait to see what happens in the draft and, and who drafts what. Um, but I, I think he's going to find a home. I still think he's, you know, he's too talented to not 
land somewhere, but it's definitely not going to be the kind of role we were used to seeing with uh, the Dallas Cowboys all those years. He's 27. It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, life comes at you fast. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> uh, so the top three running backs in this class all got franchise tagged. No real surprise. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard all got hit with the franchise tag. They weren't going anywhere. So the next top name on the board at the position was Miles Sanders. And Sanders has agreed to a deal with the Carolina Panthers. So he goes down there. The Panthers decide to let go of Deontay Foreman, who goes to the Chicago Bears. So right now, Mike, it looks like Sanders is the solid RB1. I don't expect Chuba Hubbard to really eat into those opportunities a whole lot. So how much does this change the way you feel about Miles Sanders, knowing that he could get a shot, even if not a three-down back, maybe much more of a workhorse than he ever was in Philadelphia? Yeah, I'm really excited. I think Miles Sanders was the biggest winner uh, outside of maybe Tony Pollard uh, this week at the running back position. I I thought Carolina was his ideal fit and for real life purposes and for fantasy. Like for real life, uh, he, they're going to have a rookie quarterback, whoever they take number one, likely starting. So uh, he brings some big playability there. He could ease the take a lot of work off of the rookie's shoulders. And for fantasy, they've invested in him. So now not only do do I agree with what you said where we could see him be even more of a workhorse, I'm really hoping that we see him used in the passing game again. He thrived as a pass catcher, as a rookie, really struggled as a sophomore, and then the Eagles just abandoned him using him in the passing game. They liked Kenny Gainwell and others more. The Panthers right now don't really have a, a guy who could take a whole lot. I mean, maybe Chuba Hubbard, but I, I don't think he's as big of a threat as like Gainwell was in Philly, so... I still think Miles Sanders, while I think he's a lot more solid now as an RB2, I, I used to always have him as like a back-end RB2. He's a top 20 running back, but I think he brings RB1 upside if the Panthers start throwing him the ball more. I see that's the big thing is that I, I want him to be more integrated into the passing game, especially because they still need help catching the football. I mean, the wide receivers don't really get you all that excited. I mean, you're looking at Terrace Marshall Jr. right now as the top wide receiver there in Carolina. Uh, they did add Hayden Hurst. We'll talk about that probably a little bit later on. Um, but they, they just need help catching the football. And so there's an opportunity for Miles Sanders to contribute in that way. Uh, and if he can run the football the way he did last year, granted, he's not going to have the same level of offensive line in front of him. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. But if he can get... Uh, you know, a portion of those touches, if he can run the football even a portion as well as he did last year, uh, I think you're looking at him as a strong RB2 candidate uh, coming up in 2023. Uh, Deontay Foreman, as I mentioned, he does go to the Chicago Bears. There had been a lot of excitement about Khalil Herbert and potentially what he could do with the expectation that David Montgomery was gone. Does Deontay Foreman change your feelings about uh, Khalil Herbert at all? How, how are you looking at this backfield? Yeah, he definitely takes some shine off of Khalil Herbert because, one, it, like I, I expect Khalil Herbert to still lead this backfield. They also brought in Travis Homer, uh, who could take pass game usage away. That's my biggest fear, is that this becomes a three-person backfield where Deonta Foreman is, using, is getting a lot of goal line work because he's built like a tank. If they're going to use him anywhere, I would imagine they're thinking short yardage stuff. Uh, and then if Travis Homer's taken away like third down in two minutes, even if it's just some of them, that's going to really lower 
the floor and ceiling for Khalil Herbert. Plus, it's not out of the range of possibilities that Deontay Foreman, who's a very good running back in his own right, just outperforms Khalil Herbert or, or at the worst plays well enough where it becomes a 50-50 split on the ground or I could also see it being like in Carolina where there were some weeks where Deontay Foreman ran great and they would just give him all the work and then there's other weeks where he would struggle and the game script would get away from him a little bit and then he would completely vanish. So uh, I think this brings a lot more uncertainty to this Bears backfield. I think Khalil Herbert stays in the range as like kind of a low-end RB2. There's more upside with him, but there's also a lot more downside now as well. The other part that you didn't mention is that Justin Fields is still going to run the football. Oh, yeah. And, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe he doesn't run it quite as much, but obviously that's a big part of his game, and that is what makes him successful. That's what makes the Bears' offense go to some extent. So that's going to take some opportunities away from either Foreman or Herbert. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see what they do with Travis Homer, if they actually are sort of using him as a pass-catching back or if he's just there more for insurance purposes because that also is going to have an impact on what happens with Herbert. But I'm sort of with you. I feel like last year we had a sense of how they were going to use their backs between Montgomery and Herbert. Now we go into this sort of try to figure this all out again because it seems like each guy has a very specific set of skills and it could be a situation where they all sort of take off each other's plate and we end up being unsatisfied with each and every one of those guys. Um, over to Philadelphia, Miles Sanders, we mentioned, goes down to Carolina. There leaves an opening there in the Philly backfield and it was filled pretty quickly by Rashad Penny. Simple equation, Mike. Uh, when he has been on the field, he has been really dynamic. We saw it at the start of last season. But, dot, 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 can he stay healthy? So, with that being said, how do you approach Rashad Penny in fantasy drafts? I'm really excited about Rashad Penny. Um, I, I said that I think Miles Sanders and Tony Pollard were the big two winners. I, I would put Rashad Penny third. I, I think he can be everything that Miles Sanders was for this Philly offense a year ago. A, a great explosive runner between the tackles, not a whole lot of usage in the passing game. Um, it's just a matter of if and how long he can stay on the field. But on a per-touch-per-game basis, he'll be just as good, if not better, I think, than Miles Sanders. He's averaged over six yards per carry each of the last two seasons. The, the thing, though, is with all of his injury concerns, like last year, people were like, Okay, maybe we'll give him a pass. He it, it wasn't, you know, he's going to get a chance to lead this backfield in Seattle and he's really explosive. And even then he was going as an RB3. So, I think this year with him getting hurt again last year, RB3 is probably the highest price I think you're going to have to pay. So, if you're talking about being able to get him in say like the 6th, 7th round, something like that, I'll draft him there all day and I I wouldn't be surprised if it's even a little bit of a bigger discount because no one wants to touch a running back that is too injury prone. I'll take him for as many games as he could give us. Right now, he's the RB38, and I feel like that's going to change. That's not going to last, but he's going behind Kenneth Gainwell <laughs> at the moment. I mean, <laughs> some of the guys going ahead of him, Kenneth Gainwell, A.J. Dillon, Brian Robinson, um, you know, Rashad White, Khalil Herbert. These are some of the names going ahead of Rashad Penny, and I think it is sort of that injury concern. I saw some people basically saying, look, I'll draft Rashad Penny, and basically if I can get 10 to 12 touches a game from him behind that offensive line with Jalen Hurts, that there's the expectation that he can be explosive and productive, but everybody does have that concern. If you're drafting Penny, you are drafting other running backs because 
you know, you would be foolish not to at least get yourself some sort of insurance policy just because history has shown that he hasn't been able to stay on the field long term. Um, David Montgomery is gone. Deontay Foreman is in Chicago. David Montgomery stays in the division going from Chicago to Detroit. Uh, that. First off, that made everybody worried about Jamal Williams. We'll talk about Williams in a second. I looked at this and I said, oh, no, DeAndre Swift, because he was so good last year. And I, I know Williams got a lot of short yardage and a lot of goal line work. That's how he scored the touchdowns. But this makes me really, really worried about DeAndre Swift. How, how are you feeling about that? I'm worried about Swift and David Montgomery. Um Montgomery last year was one of the least explosive running backs in football. He had the lowest hot top speed of any running back with 100 touches. So not a whole lot there, at least in terms of big playability. I will admit he gets a huge offensive line upgrade. Um, but what David Montgomery did best, at least for fantasy purposes, and what DeAndre Swift does best is both catch passes. Like they're both good pass catchers out of the backfield. So if they're both here... I'm worried because I I would anticipate David Montgomery being used a little bit more on the ground. Uh, And if Swift is being used more in the passing game, I think that hurts David Montgomery. I think it hurts DeAndre Swift to give up carries. I I don't know. I kind of came away from this being like they're both kind of like low-end RB2s to me, but I'm not really bullish about drafting either because neither one of them is going to score the 17 touchdowns that Jamal Williams did a year ago. That's a big issue. I know there are a lot of I saw a stat that I think the the Lions have the most carries inside the five that were vacated. And, you know, there's talk that a lot of that could go to David Montgomery. And I think it will. They're so different. The two of them. Montgomery is kind of a plotter. He doesn't really make guys miss. He is going to be the guy I would think gets a lot of those short yardage touches. Swift potentially is explosive. I mean, this was a guy who was. I think RB 21 last year, and he did it with fewer than 150 touches. So he was very efficient with his opportunities. He's going to have to be that again because I don't think there's going to be a lot of touches coming with a guy like Montgomery there. And I think you, you spoke to a big point. Because Montgomery catches the football, that takes away a lot of what makes DeAndre Swift valuable. So this makes me really nervous for a guy that I thought had a lot of upside and maybe he loses some of that because of the guy that they brought in to uh, take over for Jamal Williams. Williams does leave Detroit, and he goes down to New Orleans, signs a three-year deal with the Saints. My first thought is this signals that New Orleans has concerns about what Alvin Kamara's availability is going to be. He has uh, a legal case, a court case that is scheduled, I believe, for July So there's a trial pending, and then everybody's expecting some sort of NFL discipline to come down after that. How worried should we be? Obviously, neither one of us are lawyers, but just sort of based on NFL precedent, how worried should we be about Kamara's availability next year? I I definitely think worried. Uh, I think that this signing was the Saints covering themselves in case a suspension comes down. How long it will be, we'd have to see, but... And then I think, let's say there's no suspension or it's only a couple games, something like that. Just like if they're both on the field at the same time, I think then we go to kind of how this Saints backfield has been for a while, where Alvin Kamara is like kind of that lead guy, but they split the groundwork and Jamal Williams is like the new Mark Ingram. Uh, I, I could see the backfield kind of being split that way. Whether he misses time or not, Alvin Kamara is no longer an RB1 in my opinion. Um 
I, I think he could be a very solid RB2. And, and I think Jamal Williams is more of an RB3 or uh, a guy that you draft as like a backup running back. But I think he's one of the absolute very best handcuffs in, in the game uh, and will outperform his draft slot on some weeks, probably the weeks where he scores a touchdown. But yeah, I, I think it's certainly... If we were asking me to draft right now, I probably wouldn't touch Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I would. I would wait a while on Kamara. I, I think one the the legal situation, which is concerning, not knowing how many games he could miss, and who knows, maybe he misses no time, but certainly signs point toward him having to sit out at least a number of games. The other part of this is who his quarterback is now, and Derek Carr. Not known as a guy who heavily targets running backs. He did a little bit, but Josh Jacobs really wasn't until the last year or two that he actually started catching the football for the Raiders. So much of Kamara's fantasy value is predicated on him being a pass catcher. And if he's not getting those opportunities, added to the fact that now it looks like Williams is going to get a lot of that goal line work. It just feels like the value is going to fall off a cliff for Alvin Kamara come this season. Uh, in Denver, Samaje Pirine signs a two-year deal with the Broncos. And I think a lot of us were sort of excited potentially about what Javante Williams could be. Then he had that awful, awful knee injury. And there hasn't been a lot of chatter about his progress. You know, there's been positive signs, but you know, there's a range of outcomes that goes from Somehow he's ready for week one to he could miss a significant amount of time again this season. Does this signing signal that we should sort of expect the worst for Javante Williams? I don't think so. Um, I think this is the Broncos kind of covering their bases a bit. If they went out and, you know, we're, we're paying Miles Sanders or, or something like that, I'd, I'd be more worried. P. Ryan is a very good backup, but that's kind of what he is like he. I don't think he's going to come in here and steal the job from Javante Williams. More so, I think it gives them early season insurance in case Javante isn't ready to start the season. Or even more so, which I think seems very likely, like Javante's going to need to be eased back into things. He's not going to be uh, week one of this season touching the ball 20, 25 times. So now you have another capable running back. And let's not forget, that's kind of what they wanted with Javante Williams with Melvin Gordon the last couple of seasons. So as long as Samaj P. Ryan isn't taking the the valuable touches away from Javante Williams, the goal line touches, the pass game usage, and, and as long as Javante is still seeing a healthy workload, I think he can be a really, really good fantasy asset. And and P. Ryan, though, I would say we, we already know this from years with him and Mixon, one of the better backups and someone that it doesn't hurt to have on your bench in fantasy. Right. I mean, he does feel like an insurance policy. I think hopefully... The best case scenario is that Williams is back uh, at least early in the season, early enough that, that we can get some sort of value out of him because obviously we, we loved what he could be. He right now is the RB21. So uh, that I think suggests that people have some sort of hope that we'll see a significant amount of him during the season. I can't imagine P. Ryan getting a, a large workload. That feels sort of like worst case scenario for the Broncos if we see P. Ryan getting a ton of snaps and a ton of touches. So hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, we see some Javante Williams early on in the season for Denver. In New England, James Robinson uh, gets a two-year deal from the Patriots. Obviously, it's uh, Ramondre Stevenson season sin. It was last year and uh, expected to be the same again this year. Does Robinson get a decent workload or is he, again, sort of an insurance policy for New England? 
I didn't really get this signing at all. I, I was <laughs> maybe James Robinson could become what he was pre Achilles injury, but last season was rough for James Robinson. And I, to me, I look at it as a good thing from Ramondre Stevenson. Like, I think James Robinson is a not as good version of Damian Harris. Like, he's a little bit better as a pass catcher, but uh, I, like, he's kind of a between the tackle runner. He's not really explosive. He didn't have much explosiveness at all last season. So I think this kind of made me like Ramondre Stevenson even more. Like, if they signed Damian Harris, I'm a little bit more concerned right now than if it was James Robinson. Robinson, remember last year, started on fire. Like, the first couple of weeks, he looked amazing. And we were, you know, wondering, like, what Achilles injury? And then it sort of all fell apart, and Travis Etienne took over. Uh, and then eventually Robinson wasn't there anymore. Uh it just it just went badly for him. So I, I'm not optimistic. Maybe a year removed, uh, we'll see a little bit more out of Robinson. But this is Ramondre Stevenson's backfield without a doubt. Uh, last piece of running back news. The Dolphins came into this offseason saying they wanted to make a splash. They wanted to upgrade their running back room. And uh, when the dust settles, it's going to look exactly the way it did last year. Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, all re-up with Miami. Um... I mean, not that these guys are bad. We, we sort of know who they are. It, it, which, which guy has the most upside? Which guy are you most willing to maybe take a shot at here? Uh, it's between Wilson and Mostert. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go with Wilson because he played more of the two last year and was used a little bit more in the passing game. But the correct answer might be whichever running back they draft because they have to add at least one more piece to this running back room, I'd imagine. You would think so. I mean, the running game was fine for Miami it wasn't special uh, I think there were times that it would have behooved them to have a little stronger running game than what they had uh, I think especially you know, when you get to the playoffs and late in the season in the playoffs and you're playing Skylar Thompson out there uh, I think it would have been nice to have I think a more uh, productive running game than what they actually had I really thought they were going to make a big run at somebody. And maybe, look, maybe once the top three guys all got franchise tagged, maybe the Dolphins felt like they were sort of out. But I, I would have loved to see a Miles Sanders uh, head down there. You know, just, just anybody. Look, I know Devin Singletary, I think, is still out there. I was just surprised that in the end, they just went back to the same three guys that they already had. So I'm not super fired up about anybody uh, in that Miami backfield. Super unlikely, but Bijan, I keep saying he would be a great fit there if they could yeah. find a way to get the capital to get him, but it's very unlikely. But seems yeah, seems unlikely. But you know who knows? Weirder things uh, certainly have happened. Uh, this has been a beefy show, and <laughs> we are just about halfway done. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We will talk pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends because some of those guys have made some moves as well. Stick around for more on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair 
or to have hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with Some everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. 
Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Talking about free agency and sort of recapping a lot of the big things that have happened in the last week or so. And one of the bigger moves actually happened last week about this time. The Chicago Bears made a deal to trade away the number one overall pick in this year's draft. They trade it to the Carolina Panthers. In exchange, they get a handful of picks back and they get wide receiver DJ Moore. One of the things we had said continually about the Bears offense last year is that they needed a pass catcher. There is no doubt that Justin Fields maybe is the biggest winner in this whole thing. He's the guy that gets the guy that gets the the help he needs in terms of a wide receiver. But for DJ Moore, I mean, he gets out of a kind of a bad situation there in Carolina. What does this mean, though, for his fantasy ceiling when he's playing, Mike, with a quarterback that we think has potential, but generally is still unproven? I think DJ Moore kind of comes in the same fantasy value wise, like, we always hear that he has wide receiver one upside, and yet his highest finish is wide receiver 16. I kind of think he'll be a wide receiver two with Justin Fields again this year. A very solid one who will certainly have wide receiver one weeks. Um, but for the ceiling, I think it's higher than it's been because Justin Fields has a lot more upside, I would say, than the quarterbacks that DJ Moore has been playing with in the past years. That's what it's going to come down to. If Justin Fields takes that next step as a passer, DJ Moore could have his best season, fantasy season yet so far this year. Um, if Justin Fields kind of stays where, where he is or maybe only takes a little bit step forward, uh, he'll probably be around the same. The, the only fear I have for DJ Moore is if Justin Fields really struggles, if the Bears just abandon the pass like they did last year. But I think them going out and acquiring you know, DJ Moore and Chase Claypool in the last couple of months was them kind of indicating like, no, we know we need to pass the ball more. I think they realize that they've got to throw the ball more and throw it more effectively. And here's the thing. They have the number nine pick. That's what they got from Carolina. Part of the package they got from Carolina. There's a legitimate shot at them drafting a wide receiver at that spot. There's talk that maybe they go after Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, who right now is the number one wide receiver on the board uh, for a lot of scouts. So there's certainly an idea that they they get more help. But as for DJ Moore, I'm not going to say that this is the best quarterback he's ever played with, right? As a rookie, he did get healthy Cam Newton. Beyond that, though, it hasn't been great. It's been Kyle Allen. It has been, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, who is fine. It has been uh, Sam Darnold. I mean, it hasn't been a great group of quarterbacks that he has played with uh, after that rookie year. So there is, I think, more optimism with who he's playing with now. But I do think it would be foolish to draft him as anything more than sort of a high, uh, maybe to mid wide receiver two uh, for 2023. The Raiders mentioned that they went out and signed Jimmy Garoppolo. They also got him a little bit of extra help. They signed Jacoby Myers, and I didn't completely understand this because Myers was a guy who uh, excelled from the slot last year, the last couple of years in New England. They've already got Hunter Renfro, who's done a pretty good job as a slot receiver there in Vegas. 
Uh, we know Devontae Adams is going to get a ton of targets. For Myers, what's the ceiling now with the Raiders? I think his, he's kind of the same of what he was with New England. Like, he always had around a 20% target share with the Patriots. I don't see how it's going to get a whole lot higher than that with the Raiders. Like, Devontae Adams is going to, you know, command close to a 30% target share probably. Then you have Hunter Renfro, Myers, Josh Jacobs. Uh, so I, I kind of think he stays the same. I'm not really – I've never have been. I, I thought Jacoby Myers was the top wide receiver in this draft class, more so because it's a weak draft class. But uh, – I'm sorry, free agency class. But I've never been super bullish about Myers in fantasy. I think he's always like a reliable wide receiver three who will outperform that some weeks. And that's kind of what I think he still is with the Raiders. I'm not – I'm not going to be somewhat like bullish to try to draft Jacoby Myers this year. I I wanted to see where he would go if he had a chance to maybe play. I think he gets a quarterback upgrade, however slight it may be, from from Mac Jones to Jimmy Garoppolo. But he's in a situation where he's number one. He's not the number one target by far because I look at the quarterbacks he's played with and. His rookie year was Tom Brady's last year in in New England. Um, you know, and he was just sort of getting his feet wet. He was undrafted. It wasn't like they were really relying on him in any major way. After that, it, it hasn't been great. I mean, it's been, you know, it's it's been Mac Jones the last couple of seasons. I wanted him to get into a better situation. I don't think this is a great situation for him. I think he's kind of a nice additional piece for the Raiders. And I don't think it helps his fantasy value at all. I think he's still a kind of a, as you said, a wide receiver three, maybe. I thought there was more hope for him, but it depended on the landing spot. And I don't think this is a great landing spot for him. The other part that was confusing is that the Patriots decided they weren't going to pay Jacoby Myers. Uh, but they will pay Juju Smith-Schuster. Gets a three-year deal, $33 million. So maybe it's just that they think more of Juju than they did of Myers. Smith-Schuster was fine with Kansas City last year. I don't think he was what we hoped he would be when he first signed with the Chiefs. Uh, He goes to New England where he becomes their wide receiver one, essentially. How much does this help his fantasy value? I'm out on Juju. Um, I, I, because I still anticipate him going around similar to where he went last year, uh, borderline top thirty wide. You know, like a wide receiver three in that range. And I, I wanted to be out on him last year. And if he signed anywhere but the Chiefs, I would have been. But I was like, he's playing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid on a team that needs wide receiver production. Someone to step up opposite of Travis Kelsey. And then Juju did what Juju always does. He's less than a thousand yards. Uh, a handful of touchdowns, solid wide receiver three. But again, he did that with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Now he's going to a team that's going to throw the ball less. Uh, going from Andy Reid calling plays to Bill O'Brien. Going from catching passes from Patrick Mahomes to Mac Jones. Uh, it's going to take more than even maybe a slight bump in target share for me for, for Juju to really exceed that value. So I, I think a good real, like he could help the Patriots in real life. Um, and then the Patriots also brought in Mike Gusecki, who operates best out of the slot, which is where Juju operates. I know we're going to talk about that more for Gusecki later, but I, I'm, I'm going to be out on Juju this year in fantasy. I'll let other people draft him. I just, I do think it's going to be a wash, right? Because he's in a situation where they are going to rely on him more heavily. But as you mentioned, the offense isn't going to be as good. The quarterback isn't going to be as good. So in the end, 
I actually think his target numbers are going to be about the same. I think his catches, his yards, I think all that is going to be about the same because, you know, again, the I would rather be, say, a wide receiver two or a second or third option with Patrick Mahomes than to be a top option with Mac Jones. I think I just, you know, I, I, was, I was just surprised mostly at the way the Patriots sort of handled the situation. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. This – Juju has shown that that one big year he had back in 2018, very much the outlier in his career. He had 1,400 yards, uh, has not had another 1,000-yard season since that time. If, um, you, if you were able to, like, men in black that season away from our memories, we would view Juju Smith-Schuster a whole lot differently as a community, I think. Yeah, although I think, I think now we've started to realize you know i think i think we've all sort of come to the realization that the guy we have been seeing the last few seasons yeah that that really is juju um i just remember thinking that it it seemed like uh seemed like sour grapes when antonio brown was taking shots at him (laughs) on social media it just seemed like it was you know ab being weird and doing ab things but um he might be crazy he wasn't wrong (laughs) that's all i know do you think do you think bill belichick knows what tiktok is if he doesn't, he'll find out in, in short order. Uh, he will find out. Here's the thing. I mean, I, I was able to do a, a digital show with Patrick Claybon and Greg Rosenthal earlier in the week, and Patrick made a good point. Like, both Patrick and Greg made good points. One, for all the social media stuff that people talk about with Juju, you can never say that he doesn't at least take the game seriously. When he suits <laughs> up and is between the lines, he goes out and he plays hard. I don't think anybody can ever argue that. And in the end... The TikTok stuff doesn't really matter. It's like when they're winning, when teams are winning, nobody cares that you're on TikTok. It only becomes an issue when teams start losing, uh, and then it becomes an easy thing to poke at. So I think I think Belichick and Juju will figure out a way to coexist, <laughs> and they'll be fine. Um, elsewhere in the AFC East, the Jets are signing Alan Lazard. There was much talk about whether or not Aaron Rodgers asked for this sort of thing to happen if he wanted some of the same guys around him. Um we know Garrett Wilson's going to be fine. He's not going anywhere, but there's some other guys there. Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. Who ends up being the odd man out? Because not all these guys can prosper. Not all these guys can can even stay in New York. Who ends up losing here? Uh, I think Corey Davis will end up being either in- included in the trade or a cap casualty because I know they can get away from a lot of his salary. Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if Elijah Moore, who was sending off some cryptic football tweets about like, Stuff not always going the way you envision it. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is included as part of the trade for Aaron Rodgers, something like that. Um, I think two, even if they're all there, I think the two wide receiver sets will be Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard. Um, but really, for fantasy, I, I'm not very excited about Alan Lazard. It's Garrett Wilson, and maybe if if Elijah Moore was able to, to see the field more consistently, I'd be in on him. But Alan Lazard, in a in a year where he was supposed to be Rodgers' number one, finished as a wide receiver 35, didn't get 800 yards, and vanished, really, or faded hard when uh, Christian Watson emerged. So I, I kind of think it's it's Garrett Wilson or bust with the Jets receivers. We know who Alan Lazard is now. Um, I mean, last year was supposed to be the year. If there was ever a year that he became something greater, it was going to be last year. And as you said, it didn't happen. So... You know what? Last year it was a career high, 
But 788 yards, six touchdowns, 60 catches. I mean, that's fine. It's not special. I don't think that's going to get any better, especially, as you mentioned, with Garrett Wilson being the guy who's going to be the lead receiver there in New York. Uh, Michael Thomas is back with the Saints for a one-year deal. I guess the biggest thing is, Mike, can he stay healthy? I mean, you're not going to have to spend a lot in drafts to get him. Uh, If he stays healthy, though, can he start to look like I don't want to say slant boy, but the guy who was such a, a fantasy monster earlier in his career. I don't know if he can look like that guy, but I do think he can be a really useful fantasy piece. Like, yeah, he only played three games last year, but he averaged 17 fantasy points per game in them. He seems like rejuvenate, like uh, rejuvenated a little bit by this Derek Carr signing. Apparently, that's the quarterback that he wanted to play with, which Makes me wonder why so many high-end receivers want Derek Carr as their quarterback. Um, But I think with Chris Olave taking so much defensive attention away there that Michael Thomas is going to be useful when he's on the field. And that's the thing. Last season in drafts, he was going in like the mid-30s at wide receiver. Right now in early best ball, he's 51 off the 51st off the board. I'm probably going to say he goes somewhere in the middle of that, somewhere in the 40s. But at that point, you're talking about him being like your first bench receiver. That, to me, seems like an upside shot worth taking. That's the thing. Is that right now, what the asking price is for Michael Thomas? Why not take the shot on it? Just because if he comes back to any sort of form, right? If if he can take what he did at the start of last season and stretch that out over Heck, not even, not even 17 games. Let's say he does that over 13 or 14 games. Uh, I think it's well worth the asking price there. So we'll, we'll see uh, what Michael Thomas can be. For the Saints, I think it's a very low-risk move. I think for fantasy, there's not a whole lot of risk and maybe a lot more upside involved, uh, depending on what he has left in the tank. As I was talking, I was like, he could be this year's Tyler Lockett, potentially. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, man, if he could be Tyler Lockett, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I'd take that all day. Lockett was a guy that I drafted a lot last year because as much as we were worried about him, I was also like, hey, man, he's still a good player, and he would keep falling in my lap in, like, the eighth or ninth round. I'm like, all right, I'll take him, and it turned I, out to I be pretty good. I could see that good. happening with Thomas. It's different circumstances, health versus, you know, quarterback concern and stuff, but, like, when they're out there on the field, we know that they can outlive that, that price. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, I'm curious to see how, how long this ADP lasts and, and what the future is. Uh, let's get to some tight ends because there has been some tight end news. The biggest one being the Raiders trade away Darren Waller. This to me might be the biggest surprise in this whole free agency period. I didn't see this coming at all. I thought it was weird that they signed Jacoby Myers and I was like, how is he going to get targets with Waller there and Hunter Renfro there and obviously Devontae Adams. And then all of a sudden the Raiders trade away Darren Waller to the New York Giants. You know, uh, there was talk that maybe there were some personality clashes between Waller and Josh McDaniels, and maybe Darren Waller was sort of frustrated with the way things went. Uh, either way, he is out of Las Vegas, which opens up some targets for Myers. Also, yeah, it's right. That's right. Ryan Dennis mentions it's Foster Moreau season. The island of Foster Moreau now might have a few more visits. Uh, but maybe more importantly, Waller walks into New York as the number one target. He feels like the, the guy that, that Daniel Jones is going to live and die with. So knowing we've got you know Travis Kelsey at the top, followed by some combination of you know Mark Andrews, uh, what George Kittle, you know, all these top level tight ends, uh, 
where would you consider drafting Waller in the hierarchy of the tight end position? I think he's back to being top five. Um, and, and maybe that sounds a little a little bullish. I've always been a big Darren Waller guy. I think he is a very special talent at the tight end position. But last year, he on a per route basis, he was still like up with the best at the tight end position. And on a per game basis, he was still top 10 in fantasy points. But his usage dropped dramatically. And instead of giving him a bunch of targets, they started using him downfield a bit more. I think he's going to get shorter, safer targets with the Giants, which are going to lead to more catches. And he could easily be a 120 target guy if he could play the full season, I think. Um, not many tight ends could say that. So, yeah, I think, you know, right now, Kelsey's obviously one. Uh, Mark Andrews, you could put TJ Hawkinson in there. That's three. Then I think, like, I would put Waller right there with Kyle Pitts as my top five. And then you have, like, Kittle, Goddard. Uh, Evan Ingram, David Njoku as the fallback guys. But for me, I'm comfortable putting Waller in the top five. Yeah, I was going to ask, would you go Evan Ingram or Darren Waller? And you, you pretty much just answered that one right there. Um, yeah, I think Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, Kittle, uh, certainly the top four. Uh, I think you can go Pitts. Uh, you know, and then I think, you know, Goddard, Waller, I think is where you start to kind of debate, you know, where, where you're going there. But I think, I think there's a big year coming for Darren Waller just because the Giants have invested heavily in Daniel Jones. They got to put some people around him. And this seems to be the first piece in terms of trying to make that pass catching group better, because certainly everybody knows the Giants need help when it comes to pass catchers. Um, the Patriots, you mentioned it briefly, uh, they do go get Juju Smith-Schuster. They also add a tight end signing Mike Gesicki. Uh, Gasicki obviously didn't fit Mike in in Miami. Uh, Mike McDaniel wanted him to be more of a blocker. That was not his strength. Uh, they also kind of had been using him previously as kind of a big slot receiver, but you don't really need that as much when you've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle doing the things that they do. So it, it just sort of made sense that he was not going to be in Miami much longer. Uh, how much of a fit is he in New England? How much more viable is he as a fantasy tight end in New England? I really like this signing by the Patriots. Uh, they they just had a bunch of slot time open up by losing Jacoby Myers, so you could put him there. Bill Belichick has a history of using tight ends all over the field, and that and that like Gasecki really isn't a tight end. He's more of like a hybrid receiver tight end type of a player. But now I think he's going to go to a spot where there are targets up for grabs and there's slot usage up for grabs. I I think he's still like a very fringe tight end one or early tight end two. But after you get by like the top 10, that's pretty much everyone at the tight end position. This is clearly, though, a good thing for his fantasy value, I would say. Absolutely a good thing for his fantasy value. He can go back to being more of that pass catcher that he was earlier in his career. It's just not something that was going to happen for him in Miami. So, uh, you know, the Patriots have been sort of struggling to find a tight end since Gronk left. They went out and drafted a couple of guys who flamed out. Then they went and signed the combination of Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. And those guys never quite lived up to the expectations I think a lot of us had for them. Um, and I'm not saying that Gasicki's going to come in here and be some sort of world beater. But I do think this is a better fit for both sides. Uh, than what the Patriots have done recently and what Gasicki was experiencing this past year down in Miami. The Falcons, in a trade, they go get Jonu Smith from the New England Patriots, and 
I think everybody across, if you could watch Twitter, if Twitter could make, you know, facial expressions or have body language, everybody on fantasy Twitter had their shoulders just slump when they saw a <laughs> tight end going to Atlanta because, you know, we had hoped for great things from Kyle Pitts and Arthur Smith's offense sort of robbed us of that. And then they're getting another tight end to go in that offense. I don't know about you. I am choosing to put a positive face on this. I am choosing to think this means they will line up Smith as a tight end and then allow Kyle Pitts to work more outside and see if he can be successful, if he can win some battles there. I, I, I'm trying to be happy about this. I'm trying to be positive about this, Mike. What does this mean for Kyle Pitts, though? I hope that you're right. Like last year, the Falcons did run the second most, I believe, two tight end sets. And Pitts was largely the receiving one in, in those packages. Uh, the thing, though, is John U. Smith is a better receiver than whoever the second tight end was for them at any point of last season. He's also kind of like Kyle Pitts. He's not the best blocker in the world. He's more of a better receiving tight end. So I I I wish with confidence I could tell you, like, no, he's the second tight end. They're going to use Kyle Pitts the right way. But after the year we just went through with Arthur Smith, this uh this wasn't the best thing, in my opinion, for Kyle Pitts. <laughs> like just I, I want them to use him like just make Drake London and Kyle Pitts your top two receivers and everything would be great. I mean, why wouldn't you? You went out and spent high picks on guys who are athletic freaks and can do a lot of things catching the football, and then you don't use them as such. So right now, Kyle Pitts coming off the board. ADP uh, about 63, so you're looking at what, the fifth round, sixth round, something like that? Is that about where you feel comfortable drafting him right now? Yes, but <laughs> was, I'd be lying if I, <laughs> if I didn't tell you in March I wasn't hoping for a much larger discount after the season we just had uh, with Kyle Pitts. Because come August, that ADP is probably going to – all he has to do is have like one big preseason game and then that's going to go up a full round. So – I, I was hoping that it would start in like the the sixth seventh round his ADP. So I feel like it's we've gotten a little bit of a discount because I feel like it started this offseason and he was somewhere late fourth, maybe early fifth. Now we've sort of dropped that down to late fifth, early sixth. So it has sort of taken a hit. I, I'm curious to keep an eye on it and see if maybe it drops a little bit more and seeing what kind of value we can get on Kyle Pitts. You're right, though. I really thought after last year we would be talking about him in like the seventh or eighth round. But I think people still believe in the talent. And I think we're all hoping that Arthur Smith sees that and decides to scheme up a new way to use him. But man, adding a tight end just does not make me excited at all about the future. Um, last couple. Carolina, uh, they do go and get another pass catcher. They sign Hayden Hurst, who had a decent year with the Cincinnati Bengals. And Hayden Hurst is a guy that I always liked. He was stuck behind a lot of good tight ends in Baltimore for years. As I mentioned, had a decent year in Cincinnati. Carolina needs pass catchers. Um, do you like this move? And, and you know, I'm not going to say Hayden Hurst is a tight end one, but in terms of like being maybe a solid tight end two, do you like the move? I think this is a really good signing for real-life purposes for the Panthers because, like you said, I, I do agree. I think Hayden Harris is a good talent. Uh, he could be useful after the catch. And now he's going to give whichever rookie quarterback they, they draft a safety blanket over the middle of the field. We always hear that a rookie's best friend is their tight end. Um, for fantasy, I, I do agree. I think uh, tight end two 
Uh, and he'll be like any tight end, too. He'll have some good weeks and some bad weeks. And at the end of the year, you'll be like, all right, yeah, Hayden Hurst was uh, a pretty good tight end. He had that fun stretch in, like, November or something like that. I, I think that'll kind of be uh, Hayden Hurst with the Panthers this year. Yeah, I think that that's about right. The thing about being a tight end, too, in fantasy means that some weeks you could be a top five tight end. In other weeks, you might finish as, like, the tight end you're 30. <laughs> and, so, and somehow it'll sort of even itself out and you'll end the year as like you know tight end 17 or something like that who knows uh, a couple other semi-notable moves at the tight end position Robert Tunyon signs with the Bears Hunter Long uh, was actually part of the Jalen Ramsey trade the, ra- the trade that sent Ramsey to the Miami Dolphins Hunter Long comes back the other way uh, either of those do anything for you fantasy wise I, I think Tunyon takes a little bit of shine off of Cole Komet. My hope is that they use Tunyon more as the blocker and allow more uh, routes and stuff for Cole Komet. I'm still fine taking him as like a low-end tight end one, which is kind of where you're getting him right now. Uh, but seeing that, I was like, oh, I would rather them not sign another tight end. I I kind of wanted to see Hunter Long stay in Miami, assuming I, I believed that Mike Gesicki wasn't going to be there. I wanted to see Long stay in Miami and really get an opportunity to play. Uh, People have made something of the fact that he has, I believe, one career catch in the NFL, but people like his talent, and I wanted to see that kind of shine. But, uh, you know, I don't know how much that happens in Los Angeles. Uh, The Rams have so many issues. Maybe he does get a chance to play. Uh, I would have liked it to be somewhere else. Who sees? Uh, Who knows? (sighs) That's enough, right? We've done enough today. Haven't we? I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, Kadarius Tony, wide receiver one of the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> All right, we got it in. Um, <laughs> we got it. In. Which, by the way, the uh, the draft pick that the Giants traded to get Darren Waller was the Kadarius Tony pick. It was uh, it's pick number one hundred. That's what they got for trading Tony to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and now that pick goes to the Las Vegas Raiders. So Kadarius Tony finds his way into the show one way or another. <laughs> um, that's it. We will obviously have more news as it comes uh, when we're back with you. Next week, we'll be back with you uh, on our normal day on Wednesday. We wanted to uh, take an opportunity to sort of let a lot of the news breathe on top of it. We also uh, you know, had scheduling issues because uh, you know, I was doing some digital shows. Mike, you were on the network. So in terms of getting everybody together at the same time, and letting some news happen, uh, we ended up on Friday. But next week, we'll be back on Wednesday. And we can get back to Florio's Film Festival uh, next week. Uh, face-off. It's been in the chamber for a couple of weeks now. But with so much going on, we couldn't get to it. But we'll get back to that next week. Uh, and we'll get Florio's take on what could be one of the best bad action movies ever put <laughs> onto film. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on it. I uh, look forward to getting back with all of you next week as well. We appreciate you hanging out with us for what has been an absolutely meaty show uh, on this Friday. Hopefully you enjoy your weekend. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Be safe on this St. Patrick's Day. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the NCAA tournament because there is life outside of fantasy football, believe it or not. And we will talk to you all next week.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.